What's up, everybody? Welcome back to RPG A Day. Each day of the month of August, I'll be putting out a shorter episode based on an RPG-related word chosen by someone who I do not know. Strap in. It's going to be a long road. It is day 18 of RPG A Day. And yeah, I'm starting to, I'm starting to slow down a little bit. Um... In the first half of RPG a day month, I had all my episodes put together early. I was getting them out at like midnight my time. And now, now I'm not now I'm not doing that. It's starting to catch up a little bit. But I'll grind through. Y'all are doing an awesome job of supporting me. We're doing a great job of supporting one another. And yeah. Uh just keep grinding, folks. We're gonna talk a little bit more about movement and combat today because jason carl and bj have some stuff to say and then let's talk about stephen king role-playing games all right let's get into it jason you're up dude hey joe to help you out with an example for move because you know you've already done the episodes this won't really help you but anyhow if you think about samurai movies they don't just stand there and and sword you know fence back and forth they're running across the battlefield and moving and all moving around. So yeah, movement is definitely important in the battle. So take care and don't drop your phone on your face. Let's talk a little bit about my process. So a lot of times, as soon as I wake up in the morning, I'll check to see if I have any messages from Anchor, because I love you guys, or I'll throw on a podcast while I'm still kind of laying in bed waking up and I might leave a message. And if that happens, I'll hold my phone up over my face so I can kind of see how long I've been talking for. And every every now and then, <laughs> my phone will slip out of my hand and fall right on my face. And that's just an awesome, simple truth of my life. <laughs> oh, thanks for that, Jason. But yeah, right, dude? Like in samurai movies... Ninja movies, swashbuckling movies, fantasy movies. Whenever there's combat, folks are moving all over the battlefield. Think about uh, think about the duel between Inugo Montoya and the Man in Black in Princess Bride. They're moving all over the place, dude. Up and down stairs, doing flips. It rules. How do we encourage that? Well, Carl and BJ have some ideas. But before we get to that... You got something else to say. You got some stuff to say. So what's up, dude? Tell me about traps. Hey, Joe, Jason here. As far as it being a trap, switching game systems all the time, and the GM pops them on you. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Um, and don't get me wrong. Ultimately, I'll play whatever. But, you, you know, that's why I've always said it'd be really cool to have two groups. And they can be the same players, but effectively have two separate things going on. Like maybe one week on Tuesday, you, you know, you're playing your long-term campaign that's going years with one system and it's a solid, you know, stable game. And then the other week on Thursday or whatever day, it doesn't matter. But the point being, you know, the other group is the one where you try all the new games. You do a bunch of one-shots, you do a bunch of four-session games, or but, you know, every three months you rotate the GM and they play a new game, stuff like that. And I think that way you could have both your stability for your long-term thing plus get to sample all the new stuff out in the market. 
Jason, I, I really like your idea of having, you know, the two groups, like the campaign group and the one-shot group, even if it's the same group. I think that would be cool. And, you know, I am eventually, sooner than later, going to be auditioning a new person or two for my home game. You know, me and my two remaining players will have to start auditioning people. And, yeah, that's... that. I don't know if that sounds egotistical or whatever, auditioning folks. It it shouldn't. Uh, it's not, you know, you can't just take the first person that comes along in a group and be like, oh, you're the only person that came by. You got to find that mix. You got to find that right mix to form that group cohesion. So, yeah, it'd be awesome to get two groups going you know, in, in that fashion, in the campaign group, one shot group. But I, first off, I just got to get one group put together <laughs> anyway, man, Jason, thanks for the call. Uh, Carl, you're up, dude. Hey Joe, I don't know why you don't want anyone to call in. And I think like three, three, three point five, Pathfinder one, they have that ability to move and move and move without punishment right that five foot step move can make for like at least show slow shuffling movement during a combat i don't think people take advantage of it though um i do i didn't like in three the three plus that it was like a, a feet tax to be able to move attack move i like how in five you can do that and there's also no attacks of opportunities in five either. So that makes it a different dynamic altogether. I think it, the whole movement thing was probably prevented then because of the attack of opportunity. Hmm. We should discuss that. Yeah, Carl, I, I thought I did mention attacks of opportunity in that episode on movement, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what I say half the time. <laughs> anyway, man. Yeah, five foot step, totally. That does exist, and uh, you're right. Players don't take opportunity. Well, I mean, they do a little bit take advantage of it some, but you know, once a player gets into flanking in Pathfinder, they get that plus two bonus to attack, and they want to stay in flanking. So that makes it on me to move my monsters more. And that's something I need to do a better job at. It's one of those things, you know, that I need to work on to be a better dungeon master. Moving my monsters more, making the battlefield flow or making it more dynamic. So every all the monsters are moving so that the players have to move. But then, like you said, there is that feat tax in Pathfinder to be able to attack, move, and attack, or, you know, in other systems, you can only move and then attack, you can't, yeah, I don't know, but like you said, um, second edition Pathfinder, I think, you were saying five, but I think you meant Pathfinder two, I think that's what you were talking about, um, they did get rid of attacks of opportunity, which encourages movement more, it absolutely does, but it's just so, uns <laughs> it's so unsatisfying, when a character runs right by a monster and they, the monster can't just smack him in the face for it. <laughs> I love attacks of opportunity. 
Anyway, man, thanks for the call, Carl. All right, BJ, you got some ideas on how to encourage this. Take it away, dude. Okay, Joe, you're going to have to bear with me because this is going to be some some rambling on my part, but I really like this idea of, of movement being the norm in combat as opposed to just statically standing there. Um, how about this? You have two... <clears throat> We'll call them defense modes. I would call I would say dodge and parry just because I've heard it called that in other games. If you choose to dodge after you make an attack, you can move five feet in any direction as long as there's an open space. So you're basically going to an adjacent square. Um, and then you would get some kind of defense bonus for, 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 for being in kind of dodge mode. Um, if the opponent you just hit comes after you. If you choose the parry mode, you stand your ground. Um, and I don't know if you'd want to give somebody a, like an offensive bonus on that to, to, to kind of... So it's a choice. It's a choice of offense over defense, not necessarily... Um, uh, yeah, but that might, people might... Really strong people might choose to just stand their ground... I don't know about that. The other thought was, assuming most people are going to use that that dodge where they back up, um, you know, sort of it sort of goes away as an option depending on the terrain. If you're in a cramped quarters, if everybody gets closed in together, you know, in the front rank trying to fight and there's nowhere to move, um, or if you're you know fighting on the edge of a cliff and you get turned around a certain way, maybe maybe you can't. You know, the, the, the option just goes away on its own. So I guess you'd want to balance the the benefits of always choosing to that, that sort of strike and back up maneuver for, for the defensive bonus with some kind of incentive to whoever, you know, if someone pulls that maneuver on you, for you to close the distance and, and, and attack. Otherwise, they're just going to be staring at each other. You want something to kind of seesaw back and forth round to round to where maybe, you know, I back up, you come after me, but then you back up and I have to come after you and it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like a duel. And you, you that would be a very cinematic swashbuckling kind of, um, God, I can hear Pirates of the Caribbean music now playing in the back of my head. <laughs> All right, this is awesome. We got to keep working this out. Awesome calls, BJ. Thanks, man, for really thinking about this stuff. So in Pathfinder, as Carl mentioned earlier, there is a free five-foot step. And I think you might have mentioned that, too, in your last couple messages from the other episode. But yeah, so players in Pathfinder can already take a free five-foot step without provoking attacks of opportunity or losing any attacks in a round on their turn. Uh, And as Carl mentioned, players don't use that enough, probably. And there are other feats you can take. Uh, There's a feat chain that you can take called Step Up, where if if your opponent takes a five-foot step on its turn, you can automatically take a five-foot step to get back in their face on your turn. That feat is really powerful because it prevents spellcasters from just taking a five-foot step and then casting a spell. Because, you know, in Pathfinder, if you're casting a spell with someone in your face, you have to make a concentration check in order to cast defensively. Otherwise, your combatant 
your opponent, I mean, gets to just pop you in the face, and then you'll probably lose the spell. So step up really is good for if you want to make a wizard killer. You really need to take step up. So yeah, there there are rules in place to to encourage more movement during combat, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't, I, you know, you talked about looking at the math and yeah, probably should. I'm just, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That's not, that's not my thing. I don't look that deep into the like balancing minutia part of a game. I'll just add something and be like, oh shit, that doesn't work <laughs> and then get rid of it. Uh, but yeah, you're definitely giving me some stuff to think about. Thank you so much, BJ. I appreciate that, dude. All right, let's talk about writing. I don't have a favorite RPG writer. That's just not something I pay attention to. You know, I barely know the company who publishes the game I play, let alone the writers. And I know that's not cool. I should probably look because these folks, they do an awesome job. You know, they put out awesome content, but it's just not really something I do. So when I think about writing in RPGs, I think about the the author that I've taken the most inspiration from for my campaigns. And I'd probably say that was Stephen King. A lot of my campaigns have a lot of <laughs> uh, Dark Tower imagery and illusions and just straight up stealing stuff out of the Dark Tower. Like in, in the Wheeler Woe campaign, the players never really explored it much, but um, there was a rumor that there was a man who had this glowing pink ball that he would just stare at all day long. And if you've read uh, Wolves of the Kala, y- you would know what that is. That's a piece of Merlin's rainbow. I, I don't want to say more than that because folks might not have read all of the Dark Tower. But anyway, so that got me thinking because I've been reading a lot of King lately. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm on to my one, two, third King book in four days and I should be finishing it by the end of the day today. So yeah, I'm on a tear right now and I've just been thinking how much I would love for Stephen King to write an RPG scenario. And I don't know for what system I would want, you know, I said scenario. So that instantly makes me think of call it Cthulhu. And I feel like Cthulhu and King are a really good fit because um, you know, King will put a lot of Lovecraftian references and stuff in his work. So maybe, maybe a Call of Cthulhu. I don't know. What do you guys think? If if Stephen King was to write an adventure, a scenario for a system, for an RPG system, what system do you think would be the best fit for one of his stories? You know, like a new, not adapting one of his stories to a system but just a whole new adventure what do you think would work best would it be call of cthulhu uh, delta green maybe i don't know i've never played delta green i just know that's co- kind of modern day cthulhu but that might have a little more 
of the military bent than I would think. Yeah, like maybe modern Cthulhu. I don't know. I've, you know, it's something to think about. I've heard for years and years about people adapting the Dark Tower to a role-playing game, like making a Dark Tower RPG or, you know, something. And it's never happened, and I don't know why. And, yeah, people have done, like, homebrew stuff that I've seen out there, but the fact that there hasn't been an official dark tower role-playing game is mind-boggling i don't know king seems like a good dude i think if i ever met him we would be very good friends we'd have a couple beers and hang out and then he would tell me he wished i was his son and i would be like yeah no i get that like you'd be a cool dad too i he named his own son after me he didn't know that but he did his son's name is joe (laughs) so yeah i mean i could talk to my fictitious dad if we were best friends and be like, dude, what's up, man? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I want a Dark Tower role-playing game. I don't want to have to write a Dark Tower role-playing game. I'm not into game design. That's not why I play these games. That aspect of the hobby is not one that I'm interested in. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? What What would Stephen King... What system should he write for? And why is there no Dark Tower official role-playing game? That's it for writing. Let's write. Bye. I love you. Peace out.